Good morning, afternoon, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 194. 114 college football teams played ball this past week, and 113 of them scored at least a field goal, touchdown, or safety. Oklahoma, the quote-unquote powerhouse of the Big 12 and soon to be in the SEC, managed to be the odd team out and scored exactly zero in the Red River shutout. Texas, whom Oklahoma played, obviously, had more points than OU had total passing yards. 49 points to Texas to 39 passing yards to Oklahoma. The individual with the best QB rating was the punter at 10.8 QBR, all because of a fake field goal. This is, that's just bad. If you ever wish Iowa State played at the level that OU did, like ISU played well, like OU used to, this appears to be the monkey monkey's paw actually curling and granting wish. I, I just remember I watched some of the OU Nebraska game. And the announcers could not stop talking about how this was the best OU defense they'd ever seen. This was the year Oklahoma was going to go over the top. They could not stop praising Oklahoma. And they have just been an absolute disaster in conference play. It's fun to see. Also, it's fun to listen to those announcers. Just terribly. I mean, that defense was playing Nebraska. Nebraska's in first place in the Big Ten West. Thank you very I much. I don't care. The Big Ten West is an absolute dumpster fire not as bad as oklahoma is apparently well uh, dumpster fires are all relative i guess yeah what's happening in the big 12 this year actually nobody knows all the new big 12 teams (laughs) are doing okay and all of the soon-to-be-gone big 12 teams can just leave the big 12 still has five ranked teams right it's just not the teams you would have if you told me the big 12 would have five ranked teams right now the five that are there would not be the combination of five that I would have chosen. Yeah, I, w- I would have never guessed KU would have been one. Yeah, Baylor, Oklahoma State, OU, Texas, and uh, someone else. K-State, Either Kansas maybe. State or Iowa State. Yeah. yeah, one of those two. I think you would definitely believe me more if I said the other five teams from the Big 12 are going to be ranked than the five teams that are ranked. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. I'd be much more likely to believe that Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, um, Iowa, Iowa State, State yeah. and who's that? Who would be the fifth one then? Who's on right? Tech, yeah, Tech, OU, Virginia. They, oh, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Oh, West yeah. Virginia uh, would be the stretch. Uh, that'd yeah. be the stretch. Texas Tech would be a little bit of a stretch too, but, but, but not as much. Would be more likely than Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. yeah. So the, the world's River, a magical place. Anything can happen. That's right. The Red River shutout showdown shutdown was a very offensive heavy. Game, um, probably the most defensive heavy game I watched in a long time though was actually the Cyclones. Would you all agree? It it was. Um, it was both defenses I thought played very very well. Um, in that game, I think Iowa State. I personally I think this was Iowa State's best defensive showing of the year. Um, in a ten to nine loss to K State. Granted, this game could easily have been um seventeen to nine if it wasn't for an awesome um strip of a wide receiver going into the end zone by uh, Anthony Johnson strip punch. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. That was an incredible play. That was a, a game saving play. Granted we lost anyway, 
after that though i was pretty sure we were gonna win because usually when you get those crazy momentum plays like that i feel like it tends to carry out through the game i was feeling good at that point that was so fun to see yeah it was that was a big play that that was a little part of a little bit of the game i actually got to watch live i went back and watched the rest on replay later but yeah i was i was pumped when i saw that live i went from absolutely frustrated to super pumped in a matter of seconds so that was a really big play um and and we'll, we'll get to the rest of the game um um in a little bit um because that the rest of it wasn't quite so exciting but is this the best defense of the Matt Campbell era is this the best defense Matt Campbell has had at Iowa State Yes. So far, it seems like it. You think it's better than the 2020 defense? Uh, you know, I would have to go back and look at this point in the season. Uh, it may look a little bit different once the end of the season happens, especially as Matt Campbell teams tend to struggle in spurts and they tend to end pretty close to 500. So I think it'd be a little bit easier to look at it as a whole. But so far, it's looked fantastic. They have allowed over 14 points one time. One time, I think. Through six games. And somehow we've lost three of those games. They, I mean, in the second half especially, this defense has been incredible. I mean, three second half points was all you gave up to Kansas. You gave up no second half points to Southeast Missouri. No second half points to Iowa. Seven second half points to Ohio. Baylor was the outlier, but you still only gave up 14 second half points. No second half points to Kansas. And like I said, three to Kansas State. Especially in the second half, this defense has been absolutely incredible. And what's crazy is when we were talking about it before the season, we thought the defense is what's going to struggle. The offense has enough set guys there that we should be able to make something happen. And it could not be farther from the opposite. The defense has been incredible, but the offense has been non-existent. Um, we'll we'll get into more of the but the the thing we'll get into more of the details later. The thing I want to talk about. So the last two games, with under six minutes left, the offense has had three drives where all they needed was a field goal to tie or win. They've had three drives that started either in opponents' territory or in or just about there, and they've come away with zero points. And I believe only like one or two first downs um, those entire um, series. That to me is frustrating. In those situations, you really only need to move the ball 20 yards um, to, have a, to have a chance. And granted, one of those drives did result in a missed field goal. But their inability to th – this offense looks better when they're backed up on their own one than when they get the ball at midfield. They've just been incapable of doing anything with a short field. And I don't know what it is about it. I, I don't, but I mean, to me, I went back and I looked at the, the play selection. Um, so the last seven plays of the game, so the last two drives when we were down a point, short pass, a run up the middle, a short pass, right? That was the first drive resulted in a punt. Then a pass into five de defenders, a short pass that wouldn't have been a first down, a short pass that wouldn't have been a first down, a stupid timeout. How do you take a timeout after your opponent just took a timeout? You've got to know, right? That cost 50 seconds from Iowa State because they couldn't stop the clock later. And then a dropped pass. That was Iowa State's last seven offensive plays of the game. You had five passes that were short that wouldn't have been a first down, or four that were short and wouldn't have been a first down, a run up the middle that went nowhere, 
a drop pass, and a throw into quadruple coverage. That pass to quadruple coverage was very interesting to me. Uh, he had a decent amount of time. We have four people rushing, four to five defenders in the area. Y- y- you have like two defenders left on the field. How did we not find anyone to throw the ball to? I was confounded when I watched that play on, on TV. I was like, well, I don't understand. Math dictates that we should have someone somewhere that is a better option than the guy who has every defender on the field on him. Just run the football. Yeah. De- Deckers. Just have Deckers run it. If, right? If you have that was one time, st- wasn't it? Yeah. He ran the ball once. Statistically, if you have four rushers, you know, rushing the quarterback, you have one gap one gap in your offensive line that you can run through and escape through. I I don't know if we have ever seen a quarterback more opposed to running the football than Peyton or Eli Manning. Like (laughs) I, I don't, I, I don't know what I, I guess his thought process is, is that he can't at least go get some positive yards and, um, and he's athletic I, too. Our best right, offensive, yeah. our best offensive play in the game was his was his scramble, and he looked fantastic. He just pulled it down and went, which we have talked about multiple times. Make the decision, do it, go for it. And he does the opposite every time. He looks like it's like pulling teeth to actually get him to run. He it's the last thing he's ever wanted to do. It looks like, and he hesitates so many times that when he does, he never gets any yards. Going back to his thought process, though, I will say over the games this year that I've seen Deckers play, which has been all of it, it does seem like his thought process is getting better because at first we saw all these really stupid passes, panic, just chuck it kind of type of thing. And it seems like the past two games or so, he's actually taken some time to think about what he's doing. And I don't think he's made the right decision so far. Like you said, he probably should be scrambling more often, but he is making improvements, it seems like, in his, his football IQ, his thought process when the ball's live. Yeah, I think he just needs to make better leads, right? To me, every throw for him is either to his primary receiver or a check down. I think he needs to get yeah. through his progressions a little bit faster um, in order to um, right, see on plays like that that he's got somebody else open, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess that means he's not seeing the whole field, right? Is He's A, staring down a receiver, and, which is what Xavier Hutchinson pretty who much everyone's going to going to turn their attention to. Yeah, he's still getting a bunch of catches per game, but at some point, you know, that philosophy is not going to work, right? You got to spread the ball. You got to spread the ball out a little bit and 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 feed it to different people, you know. That's when you see offenses really becoming diverse and hard to defend. Um I will say the one thing that has really impacted this offense though, outside of it that really hasn't allowed Deckers to open up a little bit is just the run game in general. I don't care if it's just Hunter Deckers running the football. This run game is non-existent. We're throwing the ball too much in obvious like passing down situations and even non-obvious passing down situations. It, this The offense doesn't seem to have enough character to it to keep the defense on its heels and guessing. Every single defense that we have played so far seems to be able to attack this offense, and it's not working. Uh, well, it's working for the opposing team's defense, but the offense isn't working, right? It, we need to have a running game that opens up this passing game for Deckers so that he gets easy reads on play action. Make those backers bite down. 
make the safeties, you know, commit one direction and and go. Also, what happened to like pre-snap snap motion? We used to get that all the time with Brock Purdy, right? Being able to read, is the defense in man or is it in zone? Why aren't we doing more of that? You know, getting some position, getting some players in different positions in the field. We're lining Hutchinson up in a lot of different positions. Great. But we're not making it easy for Deckers to identify what the coverage is so that he knows 100% what his read is. And I think he's getting overwhelmed by what real football is finally throwing at him. Yeah, sure. He threw for a lot of yards in high school. That's high school football. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I think Deckers has demonstrated through these games that he is not a bad quarterback at all. He's just not a great quarterback either. If you have to lean on Deckers to win you the game, you're probably not going to win the game. He is very much a game manager, and it might work if we had a Brees Hall type of back who was breaking long, long runs. You would hope that a standout receiver like Hutchinson would do that for him, but it just... He's just looked so okay in all the games so far. Or if we even had a decent running back. Like, yeah. Right? I mean, on the season, we're averaging 106.3 rush yards per game on 3.4 rush yards per carry. It's not awful. It's average. But it's been non-existent the last two weeks, right? What hasn't been, though? We haven't really been concerned about the offense, right? We put up 42 against Southeast Missouri, 43 against Ohio, 24 against Baylor, right? The problem in those games was not really the offense. Mm. But since Jaleel Brock got hurt, I think he got hurt actually at the end of the Baylor game personally and then just re-aggravated it early in that KU game. Um, I think he got hurt on that weird fumble touchdown play, actually. Mm. Um, but... Right, so since he's been hurt, the rush game has been non-existent, and then so has the offense. Yeah, it definitely, he needs it to take pressure off of him because he's just not going to be able to hero and backpack that team by himself. It's just surprising because at the beginning of this year, we saw Jirel Brock, obviously our lead back, but we both we all liked Silas a lot. I was a big fan of Cartevius Norton, one of the few carries I saw him, and it just has been nothing, just not not good enough. Yeah, Silas had some good runs, good runs um, out to the edge um, this game. But yeah, yeah, and then like on that seven play sequence, where I said it was a run up the middle. It was a Silas run up the middle too. Yeah, why are you running him run up, up the, the middle, middle? Right, that that doesn't make sense. That play calling doesn't make sense. Um, and Norton's been hurt, right? So that makes a difference. He hasn't played yeah. since week. He hasn't hardly played since week one. I think he had like one carry a couple of games ago, but yeah, he's on like four carries for the season. Yeah. You just hope they can make some, some changes, some adjustments. It just doesn't feel like we made any adjustments from KU to K state. It was the same, very meh, not very attacking, just like very, I don't know, defensive offense. If that makes any sense. The other thing that I noticed that's different from years past is that we don't seem to have a star tight end because we don't. And yeah. a, a Tom Manning offense has always been not necessarily the focus on the tight end, but he heavily utilizes tight ends, which I remember being really excited about when he was coming to Iowa State a couple of years ago. And this year, you know, we don't have a Chase Allen. We don't have a Charlie Kohler to take those uh, real short passes and then run them for 10, 15 yards upfield. And, and, and just just someone who can extend the defense down the middle. Right. Have you noticed 
All of our passes are either to the outside or they're on crosses. Nobody is stretching the defense vertically down the middle of the field, right? That's allowing the linebackers to come over and make the tackles on some of these short routes that used to go for a lot more after the catch. Um, there's just no down the field threat that those tight ends used to bring. I agree. Yeah, all those shallow crossers, and then the, the I've seen probably more hitch routes this year than I've seen in the past three years from an Iowa State offense. And I think it's because we don't have a tight end that can take these take these kinds of plays. So that's just the other observation that I had. Besides uh, Decker's improvement in in decision making, I suppose. But I don't know. It's it's strange, strange season. I saw a large amount of people on Twitter that saying what I thought was an overreaction, but I'm curious where you guys are on it. They were just like fire, fire Manning, the offensive oh, coordinator. Oh, just get right, rid of come on. Okay, Absolutely good. Not. I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one. I'm like, that's absurd. It's two games. Calm down. But I was just, I wanted to make sure that you guys were also uh, agreeing that that seemed ridiculous after two games. It's social media. They're always going to overreact. Like I said, Tom Manning's bread and butter was tight ends, and we don't have a tight end really this well, year. Well, you, if you're going to be a good offensive coordinator, though, you can't just be like, sorry, they don't have the player I like. I can't do it anymore. Like, figure it out. I agree. I agree. But it takes more Otherwise, than... Otherwise, you're not good at your job. It makes more than two or three games to kind of re-engineer your offense. I'm not saying you shouldn't have done about it by now six? because you should have, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fire him. At the end of the season, if, if the no. offense is still flopping like this, maybe no, no one should not. be fired for this year. This was a re- remember, we said this was a rebuilding year. We said But that if we average ten points a game for the rest of the season, you have to at least look at it. That's that's and if really we still bad. have if we still have these garbage play calls, maybe. But I don't I don't think we're gonna keep flying. I don't anticipate it being that bad. No. Nobody crossed. This would have to turn into an absolute disaster down the stretch for me to be calling for anybody to get fired. Nobody deserves to get fired for what I've seen so far. Yes, it's been frustrating. Nobody should get fired for this. I agree. Which is also why I figure they will not bench Hunter Deckers. No, he's (laughs) he is still your quarterback of the future. Absolutely. Until JJ Cole comes in next year and beats him out in camp. Sure, I can see that. I will say we don't want to fire anybody, but I still think we should hire a special team. Because special you teams know, this game was fantastic. Don't I'm on board well, with you. I, I, I'm going to go a little – I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit. It, it was okay. It was serviceable. Mistake-free. No, it wasn't. It was not mistake-free. We had that kickoff that he thought was going to bounce into the end zone and then just didn't. So we had to pick it up at the one-yard line and got tackled at like the six. Oh, I must have missed that Just one. fair catch it. In college, if you fair catch a kick from inside the 25, you get it at the 25. Just fair catch it. There's no reason to let that kick bounce. Absolutely no reason. Yeah. Even the, so, the idiot next to me in the stand, shout out to him for thinking he could throw some stickum on some yard gloves and go out and catch footballs better than our receivers. I hate you. Even he. Uh, out in the stands said that he should have just fair caught that. I was like, well, hey, at least he's right about something. But no, bro, you can't put on gloves, some stick him and go and catch a football. I'd like to see you go out there and get absolutely rocked and put in the concussion protocol by one of those defensive backs. Just just fair catch that kick. And we also had the running into the, the kicker penalty on a punt. Granted, that didn't hurt us because it was fourth and more than five yards. But... um so you pumped the brakes on me saying the special teams was pretty decent, but can we still get a special teams coordinator? Because that, that's really what I yes. want. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I vote for Somebody it. Somebody can actually work with the athletes. 
And Reach now, out to I, Matt, Wyatt. See if you can get the job. He did run right past me on Saturday. He comes by and I just go, Hey, Matt, how are you supposed to this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He'll be like, send me your resume. <laughs> and I do want to say, great recovery game by Gilbert, though, to make three field goals after missing three last week. That was awesome and, to see. And a 45-yarder, too, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, he, that was, he, it was a good kick. Yeah, he He's still a freshman. He's going to be our kicker for the next three years. It's good to see him get that uh, get that confidence back. That was good. Also, Perkins, the punter, is an absolute stud. I know I've said this every week, but um, I looked up the stats today. So that Iowa punter that everybody just loves, um, what is his name, Troy Taylor or whatever, Perkins' uh, punt average is only one yard worse than his is. Perkins has been pretty much just as good as the consensus best punter in the nation um, this year. He has been incredible. He gets my vote for team MVP at this point. He's a freshman. I always think when, you're, uh, when your punter is your MVP at this point in the season, that just means you have a really bad offense. I, know. I, I, can, I, I would consider giving it to Anthony Johnson, too. He had an incredible game and has been great this season. But Do you remember when we punted with Garbarini in the first game and it just burned your eyeballs? Yes. He was awful. Because <laughs> it was garbage so all the way. Bad. We really found a good onside kicker, future. Yeah, very good onside. Yeah, I, I'm actually, the kicking and punting should be fine next year. I'm concerned about the punt returning, the kick returning. We haven't been blocked in a few weeks, which is nice. Yeah. You say that now. Knock on wood. Also, I keep saying that we have a very young team, and we do. Both our kicker and our punter are, are true freshmen. Uh, whereas I was Tory Taylor, which was that punter you're talking about. He is a junior upperclassman, and he's going pro this year, presumably. Why, why wouldn't you? But the the unfortunate part, though, of saying we're a young team, our defense is not young. Will McDonald will be gone next year. Colby Weeder will be gone next year. Anthony Johnson will be gone next year. I believe MJ Anderson will be gone next year. Um, Orion Vance will be gone next year. This defense is not young. We might be losing one of those corners in TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase, I think. I forget which one. So, yeah, a lot of turnover next year, too. Anyway, it's too, too long to look too, too early to look too much into next year. We're young on offense and old on defense, I think is what I'm trying to say. Any other thoughts from uh, the game this week, or should we move on to next week? I'm more than happy to move on to next week and just flush that game. We'll flush another one and, and move on. I, I will say one last thing, though. There were there were two things that really set K-State's defense apart from Iowa State's defense, I will say, in this game. Not that I was not to take anything away, but Iowa State did have tw- two times when Adrian Martinez, the the defensive rush had arms on him, and he was able to extend the play by shedding the tackle and throw a deep touchdown pass and another one that should have been a deep touchdown pass. And both of those, each time, he should have been wrapped up a second earlier and tackled for a sack, which those plays wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So this defense, yes, they're getting to the quarterback, but they got to finish and wrap him up in those situations. You can't let him get through. Um, I mean, we could have had a touchdown comeback on that. And Anthony Johnson had to make a hero play in order to save the other one. So... That was the one thing that, that really stood out to me between K-State's defensive line and Iowa State's defensive line in this game. Yeah, I did notice that on the first long touchdown that Weeder had 
Martinez dead to rights and just missed it. But at least we still scored more points than Iowa. We did. We did. Iowa lost nine to six. So not a great game for them either. Even when we do our best Iowa impression, they still out Iowa. They do. They do. Also, for, just because you mentioned Iowa, did you know that Hunter Deckers is one of two um, Division One FBS quarterbacks in the state of Iowa? There are only two. I did not know that. There's none from, like, anywhere else in, like, the Midwest, like Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Like, not there's zero from all of those combined. But Iowa's got two, and Hunter Deckers is one of them. Anyway, I don't know who the other one is. I don't know why I brought that up. I digress. Anyway, next week, um, 11 a.m., Texas on the road on ABC. Uh, the line has Texas now is a 16 and a half point favorite. The line's Ooh. even gotten more towards Texas just uh, in the last hour. I'm going to bet against that spread. T- to me, that seems like way too much, right? Like way too much. We're not good. Texas, yes, sure. They looked great last week. I, I think 16 and a half is way too much for this spread, right? You guys agree? RN, you agree, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. This I'm is the type of that. this is the type of spread that you see a power five team against a you know a non power five team. Yeah. This is a spread know. that you see between SEC and their and whoever they're playing in their cupcake week, the like A-A-A-S North Carolina, A and M Southern or something like that. I I don't know. It also does not, you know, you know, you have to throw in FPI sucks for Wyatt, but Ah uh, no 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 no. FPI is garbage. Thank you very much. Sorry, FPI is garbage. Like FPI, eleven percent, sixteen well, and if, a half point underdogs. If if you want to know if you want to know why FPI only gives us an eleven percent chance, everybody take a guess at what Texas is ranked in the FPI. One. Why you want to guess? Ah, uh, four. It is four. Texas ah. is ranked as the fourth best team in the nation according to wow. FPI. You tell FBI is garbage because I I guess what Texas was in FBI and that's bad. What is this Pro Football Focus? Out here, oh, yeah, Pro Football Focus is a lot better than F than FBI. It is. Well, they think Patrick Mahomes is currently the sixth best quarterback in the league, so I'll question that. Or do they think he's performed the sixth best? That that's what you're looking at here. You know, nobody thinks that Russell Wilson is the worst quarterback in the league, but he sure is playing like it. So, yeah, um, look for that. Um, in the end, it's going to be can our defense shut down Texas's offense? It's been uh, been a high-scoring offense. Can the defense shut it down? The Cyclones, I don't think they're going to win this game, but they're not going to lose by two touchdowns. They're not, uh, not going to lose by two touchdowns. Any, any other thoughts about this game, 11 a.m. ABC on Saturday? At least it's not on Longhorn Network. True that. Horns down, baby. It'd be great if we be see. You remember in the beginning of the year where I said we win this game because Texas overlooks it. This is exactly a scenario um, I thought uh, we could be in, and Texas would overlook us. Texas fans are certainly overlooking us. If anybody wants to go to Austin, you can get tickets to this game for uh, two dollars right now. That's how much Texas fans think of us. So a little bit of a trap game for Texas here. I'm just saying. So look for that next week, and we'll, of course, uh, bring you everything um, about it next week. Kyle, what uh, what happened in the NFL this week? A lot did. Uh, there. So I will first start out with a fun fact, which we will roll through very quickly. What do Jamarcus Russell and Baker Mayfield have in common? They are bad. Besides that, uh, it's along the lines. You So you are semi-right. 
but Baker Mayfield has the second worst QBR to start the season since that stat was invented. Only better than Jamarcus Russell. So that is not great cat or uh, um, competition to be a part of there. So bad on Baker Mayfield. Uh, but good on, uh, uh, what's his name? Matt Rule, who will be making $834,000 per month for the next 48 months, as long as he doesn't get employed by another university or head coaching position in the NFL, in which they will have to somehow arrange for some sort of settlement on how much his buyout is and whatnot. But uh, that's a fat check to be collecting for the rest of this season, at least. So good on him. The best job in America right now. Uh Speaking of things that I would like to just get off my chest right now uh, that we just need to air out is stop putting the Broncos on prime time. Thank you. Uh, in other news, Green Bay falls apart in London. Two batted passes late lead to the G-men uh, win in London. Matt LaFleur, in my opinion, got outcoached in this game by Brian Dayball. Yikes. Uh, to all Green Bay fans out there. Lions offense, not as potent as we think, question mark. I don't know. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was hurt. Uh, a lot of injuries for that Lions offense that seemed to be cooking early in this season, albeit they, they beat the Commanders, put up a lot of points against the Seahawks, not great teams. But Zappi gets his first win as a Patriots quarterback. Is there a quarterback controversy in New England? As Mac Jones looked terrible to start the season for the Patriots. Uh, Jets stymie the quarterback quarterback stricken Dolphins as Teddy Bridgewater was injured in the first series of the game, leading to a former K-State quarterback, Skylar Thompson, to be the guy in Miami. Well, it didn't end up well. J-E-T-S, Jets, roll on with Brees Hall getting another touchdown in that game and 100 receiving yards on two catches. Quick question for you guys. Um, are you allowed to wear college-branded apparel in the NFL? Because he had Iowa State-branded gloves on, and I thought that he's, was odd. He's getting fined for that. Okay, I figured he was. Yep. Somebody sent me that tweet, and I was like, you know, that does not sound like something you would not get fined for. Okay, I, I thought no. so. I was just curious. He's, he's definitely getting fined for that. There's already been multiple tweets saying he will. Worth it. Uh, T. Hill stars this week. Not the Tyreek Kill, but Taysom Hill. Uh, the all-purpose gadget guy, the Swiss Army knife for the uh, New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill, had four touchdowns, including three rushing and one through the air. Lit up fantasy points on everyone's waiver wire, so congrats to Taysom Hill. Uh, Texans win their ninth straight over Jacksonville. Huh? Texans? Better believe it. Lovey Smith is, got his first win for the Texans. Uh, they are no longer winless, and every team has now won this season. Carson Wentz, good old Carson Wentz, the best NFL backup in the league. Uh, he throws a goal line pick, as they should have ended up beating the Tennessee Titans, but they didn't. Good old Washington Commanders are feeling the pain of the Indianapolis Colts last year. Uh, the new, sorry, the Minnesota Vikings take a commanding lead in the NFC North. Dalvin Cook, uh, Justin Jefferson was at it again, um, continuing to add to his historic three-year or first three years in the NFL uh, with over 150 receiving yards in that game. Uh, the Bears just just bear down Bears fans and, and, and hold on for next season. Y'all suck. Uh, Chargers best the Browns. 451 combined rushing yards in this game. If you, smack, if you hit the over uh, on combined rushing yards and, and bet that, boy, you, you picked a good one to bet on that. Uh, 
it was a Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb were rushing all over each other, and the Chargers get a good win against a Browns team that arguably could be undefeated at this point. Uh, America's team or the Gold Rush? Cooper Rush in this matter is five and zero in games that he's started and in a, in his NFL career he steadies the ship's ship in Dak's absence. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are four and one heading into a big Sunday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles who remain undefeated after beating the Arizona Cardinals, but are they the league's best posers? According to the athletic, the Philadelphia Eagles have the 30th ranked strength of schedule at 0.464, uh, which is not great. So easy games, their upcoming schedule is super easy, too, with games against Houston, Pittsburgh, Washington, Indianapolis, Green Bay. Uh, This team, they've already beaten Washington once. They played Jacksonville. Uh, Arizona's 2-3 and now. Detroit as well. So, you know, we can see this team could easily be 8-1 and going into uh, week 10 of this season, uh, or week 11 in their case. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Eagles yet. Uh, We'll need to see them in the postseason. Justin Tucker is indeed Mr. Clutch for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I don't have the stat in front of me, but he hasn't missed in the fourth quarter or overtime kicks in like 50 or 60 some odd kicks straight. Uh, Justin Tucker is by far one of the league's best kickers, if not best kicker of all time. I think he's, yeah, I think he's the best kicker of all time. Not just right. currently the best kicker. I think he's the best ever. I mean, you got to look at Nick Folk or Adam Vinatieri with the amount of points scored, but I do believe Justin Kicker due to that, or Justin Kicker? Justin Tucker? Maybe he should rebrand his, rebrand his name. Uh, is, you know, he's the most clutch. He's got he's the, one of those the biggest clutch gene. He's maybe not the greatest kicker of all time, but he's the best kicker, I think you could say. He's the best kicker the league has seen. Yeah. Speaking of kickers, did you all see Dicker the kicker is in the NFL now? Yeah, I did. I yeah, he, he made it up from a practice squad. Yes, for, former Texas kicker who uh, famously missed a kick um, to tie Iowa State back in 2020 when Iowa State went to the Big 12 championship game. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Good on Dicker. Yeah, Mr. Dicker over there. Love that. And then we get a taste of what a primetime game should look like. <laughs> get the Broncos off primetime. Uh, the Chiefs win a Monday night football thriller. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, fun fact in this game, passed Troy Aikman, who was in the booth on the call, for all-time passing touchdowns in their career. So <laughs> Troy Aikman really isn't that good. Uh, how do you sack a quarterback came up this week in week six or five of the NFL season? Uh, Tom Brady getting thrown to the ground, uh, slung to the ground, was a huge controversial call in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, or sorry, Derek Carr getting sacked with uh, Chris Jones landing on him by the rule book. As Mike has clarified to me about 15 times and drilled it into my head, it was a roughing the passer penalty. But it still begs the age-old question, this penalty sucks, the rule sucks, and right now the only way that you can sack a quarterback is by playing two-hand touch. So, Or give the quarterback a flag belt, flag football. There it is. I mean, that's how you sack it. Or go look up uh, uh, Kevin Hart's uh, tutorial on how to sack a quarterback in the NFL. 
we'll, we'll get more into that rule um, in Mike's stupid rules in a little bit. But yes, there was definitely some controversy about that this season or this week. Any other thoughts on this week in the NFL? Otherwise, we've got uh, some other big news to talk about. NFL officiating has got a long way to go. I don't think NFL officiating is as bad as people say it is, but I digress. I think we should move on to baseball. Yeah, so we've sort of been ignoring baseball a little bit um, once um, once uh, the Cyclone football season started, just because you know we're we're an Iowa State podcast and you know that's our priority. But the playoffs are underway. For those of you who didn't realize it, the season ended middle of last week. Wild card weekend was this past weekend, and the playoffs are in full swing. I'm watching a game right now as we um, record this episode. Um, so in the wild card weekend, Cleveland um, swept Tampa Bay. Remember, these were best of three series. Um, the 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 series they were two one in game one. They won, and then um, and then uh, one game two, um, one to nothing in 15 innings. It took 15 innings for um, anybody to score in that game, but um, eventually Cleveland did on a walk off home run. They played. 26 innings of baseball, and Cleveland gave up only one run. Um, Seattle swept Toronto, including a major comeback. Was that in game one or game two? I can't remember. Um, game two. Game two. Seattle had a major comeback in game two there um, that um, that uh, kept them over Toronto and moved them off to the ALDS. Um in the NL for the wildcard games, Philadelphia swept St. Louis. St. Louis absolutely collapsed in game one. They were up um, two to nothing with one out in the ninth inning um, and could not get the job done and ended up losing. Was that 7-3 in that game? 7-4? Something like that in that game. 6-3. 6-3. So not uh, – yeah, that was not great. And then they were not able to, to come back um, and win game two. In the other series, um, the only one that actually went three games, San Diego knocked off the Mets um, in three games and abs- and uh, advanced um, in the to the NLDS. Now, the, uh, in the ALDS, we have New York and Cleveland. That series is underway right now. Um, that's actually the game I'm watching. And in the other series, um, Houston uh, turned Seattle's own trick on them and came back. Um, from a big lead to um, win um, game one and take a 1-0 lead in the best of five series. Over in the National League, Philadelphia held off on Atlanta's big comeback attempt um, and uh, and uh, held on to win game one. And then that uh, Los Angeles-San Diego division rivalry will start this evening. Um, and that's a division rivalry where the Dodgers... Um, won 14 of 19 in the regular season. So San Diego's really got their work cut out for them if they want to uh, want to advance because they would not have uh, if this was a regular season series. So that that's what to look for in Major League Baseball this week, and we'll keep you informed on all the playoff action, um, like Josh Donaldson just being a terrible base runner um, on next week's episode. And with uh, it's the time of year where uh, we just get the conglomeration of all the sports, the NHL, um, starts the bulk of their regular season this week. And uh, and the NBA has got to be coming up soon too, right? Yeah, the NBA, we are a week out. It's going to start on October 18th. We'll have a doubleheader to start it. 
Uh, the 76ers are going to face the reigning Eastern Conference champions, the Boston Celtics. And then the reigning NBA champions, Golden State Warriors, will have their ring night. And for some reason, by some reason, I mean media markets, they will play the Los Angeles Lakers, who, you know, hot take right before the season starts, probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I'm not going to write it down yet, but I, I probably will at some point. But just keep an eye on that. We'll probably talk a little bit more about the NBA next week. And uh, we'll move on and we'll get back to that fun, fun thing of what can you do to sack a quarterback? What is roughing the passer anymore? Yeah. So um, roughing the passer is defined in Rule 12, Article 11 of the NFL rulebook. I'm not going to read this whole rule to you because it's literally um, a whole page of the rulebook. And I don't want to read a whole page worth of rules. Nobody wants to listen to me do that. But there's a couple things I want to mention um, that are uh, important for what happened this week, and then we can debate what we would change about this rule. Um, first of all, um, this is this rule applies to anybody in a passing posture, either before, during, or after a pass. So even though on the one Kyle was referring, Derek Carr fumbled, he was in a passing posture when he fumbled, so he is still protected um from or he is still protected by roughing the passer even after he fumbles just like he would have been after he passes because he was in a passing posture when the hit occurred um the other thing i want to talk about is um part b of this rule um that says um a defensive player may not unnecessarily or violently throw him down or land on top of him with all or most of the defender's weight. So I think that provision right there covers both, is, is what the officials will cite for both of the two roughing the passers, right? Um, sure, you could make an argument that Brady was uh, thrown down uh, violently, but I think that's a very weak argument. Um, Mahomes, Mahomes was also slung down in a similar fashion in the game where it wasn't called. Yeah, and I think and I think that one was the correct call. If we're if we're calling you for twirling a quarterback down to the ground, that that's too much. Unless you're not like grabbing him by the head and doing it or something, which would fall under different provisions of the rule. But on the Chiefs one, right? He he does land with his whole body weight on the quarterback. He, What's he, he supposed to do? He can't teleport. I, I he can't twist his body in an in the air like a cat. Like that is impossible for a two hundred. And what? 70 pounds? 325 pounds, I think. Probably. Yeah. 325 pound defensive lineman. Yeah. I, I agree. And we'll get into this, but I agree that the rule needs to be changed. But the way the rule is written, that is, that is, that is roughing the passer. It is. I get that. And like after the game, Chris Jones is like, we need to make these reviewable, man. It's like, if they review that, that's going to be called confirmed every time. Yeah, it doesn't need reviewed. The rule needs to It's just like targeting in the NCAA. Targeting in the NCAA and roughing the passer in the NFL are detriments to... They're just bad rules. They are. We've over... like Every time we see something that we don't like that's been problematic, it feels like they go in and write another clause and another clause and make the rule longer. And we've almost overruled it. Like, there's too many clauses. It takes out so many ways you can even hit a quarterback. I, I There has to be some middle ground between what we're doing now where you literally can't fall on a quarterback and back in the day when we were brutalizing, you know, 
Jim McMahon so bad he can't find his way to a grocery store anymore. Like, surely there's a middle ground where quarterbacks are still football players. We should be allowed to tackle them. That's no, part of the game. No, Un- unless Micah Parsons is right, and he says, if you're not going to let us tackle a quarterback, just make it seven-on-seven football. That He no. tweeted that. Which, no. who wants to watch that BS? Gross. Hey, no one. So change the rule. Change it. It it's hurting the game. It's making it's giving you know teams uh, additional plays in drives. Like that was a critical call against the Chiefs. They they had them stopped. It was way worse for Tampa Bay. It was way worse. No, well, it was way worse for yes. the Falcons. You yeah, you say. know what I mean. In the Tampa uh, Bay game, but you know, in that game against the Chiefs, it it led to three points. I noticed you didn't bring up that funky blocking call that they did on that field goal, though. A little bit of bias there. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that next week. We can okay. talk about that, yeah, next, we'll talk that week. next week. It was a makeup call, but I I don't know. There there was another call that I didn't exactly like. Uh, another PI call that I didn't love at the beginning of that game too. So I just think there were a little, a few missed calls in that game, and, and they tried calls. to tried to make have a bunch of makeup calls to to make sure that they could still feed their family at the end of the day it just makes bottom line is getting back to roughing to the roughing the passer this rule needs to be looked at by the competition committee the players association and they really need to take a deep dive into what this actually means and they yeah, already do we want do, do we i know they did but nothing's going to happen this year and it 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 won't anyway uh but do we need to protect quarterbacks? Yes. Exhibit A to Atagabaloa. Different situation. Do we need to protect quarterbacks that do GMs and owners want to protect quarterbacks that they're spending $50 million a year on? Well, Jerry Jones sucks for you that you overpaid your quarterback when Cooper Rush is better, but uh, that's okay. a different story. That's Cooper Rush is not better. Yeah. He's okay. not. I agree. I, sorry. That was, that was a hot take, but Cooper Rush, you know, you shouldn't have a backup quarterback that can come in and, and do and do that. If you're if your star quarterback is getting paid 40 million a year, I digress there. But we need to examine this rule and look at, you know, what roughing the passer needs to be, what we can do to make it fair for both sides uh, in this situation, because right now defensive linemen can't even go and tackle a quarterback it should also be noted neither of those hits on Tua were flagged so what is this rule actually preventing when we see those awful injuries nobody gets flagged for it and then you play a little patty cake with the quarterback and put him on the ground and now that's a flag it, it just isn't working how do you flag Tua's because it wasn't really the the sack itself that caused right it but that's what but I'm saying he, these rules itch. aren't doing anything yeah. I, I, I would I would say if Tom Brady's play got a flag, Tua's first play against Baltimore should have also drawn a flag. They look when really he similar. was pushed they are... very late and a very severe push. You've seen more egregious, no matter how which way you look at it, calls on the side of the field for unnecessary roughness when a player is out of bounds for similar pushes, right? Like you're pushing them towards a bench and potentially causing harm with them hitting something on the bench, hitting their head, whatever, into the sidelines where there's not a lot of space. But some situation like that, when you're shoving a quarterback backwards and they have no way to control their head and neck as their body slams against the ground, that should have been the same, a same provision in my eyes. 
Tommy's got a long history of soft calls, though, so I don't know why we're surprised. Oh, about Tommy's that. got deep pockets, and a lot of money slips out and somehow lands in hey, referee's pocket. You know, okay, a little bit on, less money. Come on, that's not true. The Tom Brady call what was a bad call. Yeah, I also don't think the refs are getting paid. Just to be clear, that is Kyle. <laughs> We'd all like to separate ourselves from Kyle this episode. Don't <laughs> I will put love myself on an island. Everyone can at me. Tom Brady, I'd love to have a conversation and dig into your financials too. He's we'll, busy we'll just trying to that. figure that out with his soon-to-be ex-wife right now. So <laughs> he doesn't have time for you. Hey, but with their income, she should be paying him alimony. So fingers crossed for you, big man. Break the trend. <laughs> The, the the last thing I just want to say is um, we've been talking, right? This is not a new problem with this rule. If you go back and literally listen to our first episode more than three years ago, we were talking about the same provision of the same rule that's been a problem. So this is not a new discussion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it Eric Kendrick's landing on Aaron Rodgers that – Sub- that subsequently resulted in a broken collarbone that really kind of sparked this body weight thing. Oh, it was another uh, guy. No, it was, it was a different guy. So the, the first the first person to get called for it was Clay Matthews. The Clay but, Matthews one was the thought we got fired up about. Yes, but the reason this rule got instituted is because um, Eric Kendricks broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone on a hit. I gotcha. Somewhat similar to the one we saw last night. It was definitely different because Rogers was rolling out and, and whatnot. But I would like to round out this segment real quick. Uh, Mike did mention this is in Rule 12, Section 2, Article 11. I highly suggest you pick up the rule book and actually review some of these because you could get a nice nugget of information in Rule 12, Section 2, Article 13, just below roughing the passer. The little known penalty of roughing the holder. Uh, if you didn't know that was a rule, definitely go check that out. Pick up a rule book, flip through it, find some interesting things, and report back to us at 8311cast on Twitter of some interesting tidbits you found in the NFL rule book. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in the rule book. That's why I love rule books. I was going to say, you know what else is cool? Learning if we are actually good about making write that down predictions. We're not. And, and, and we're going to learn a lot this week. This is a very, very large accountability session um, with a lot of stuff that came off the board with the end of the MLB regular season. So I'm going to go through this somewhat rapid fire to not belabor the point forever. I predicted that the Twins would lead baseball in home runs this year. They did not. They finished like 10th-ish, um, but that's not first. So I get a nah, 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 nah. Wyatt predicted that Rizzo would lead the league in hit-by-pitches at the end of the year. He was fourth, so Wyatt gets it. Nah. Nah. Uh, Kyle predicted the Royals would have three different players steal 25 bases. Uh, did they have anybody? They definitely didn't have three. Uh, Bobby Witt had 30. So Bobby yeah. Witt had 30, so only one. It didn't help that they traded Whit Merrifield midseason, so he wouldn't get there anymore. Um, but anyway, Kyle gets it. Nah. Nah. Um, I predicted uh, to take a break from the NFL that Max Verstappen would win the Drivers' Championship in F1, which we haven't talked about in a while, but he did wrap up that championship with the race this last weekend. So for that, I get a ding a ding 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 Josh predicted that the Packers would win their game in London, um, which, as Kyle talked about in our NFL segment, they did not, so he gets a nah. 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 But he did, he did correctly predict the Brewers would not make the playoffs. So for that, he gets that ding, 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 ding. But unfortunately for him, he hedged that later, saying that the Brewers would make the playoffs. Um, so he gets a nant for that. 
Wyatt predicted the NL Central would be the losingest division in baseball at the end of the regular season. They were, just barely. The NL Central had 433 losses at the end of the year. The AL Central had 428 losses. So slightly worse for um, the NL Central. So if that like, it's a ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. I predicted that the Orioles would finish ahead of the White Sox in the standings at the end of the year. The White Sox were 500 at the end of the year, and Baltimore was 83 and 79. So for that, I get a ding 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 I also predicted that Luis Arise would win the batting title, and I'm kicking myself right now because I predicted that he'd win it in both leagues, which was stupid. He did win the American League batting title, just beating out Aaron Judge. Um, but he did not. Uh, he did not have a higher batting average than multiple players in the National League. So for that, I get it. Nah. <laughs> and Kyle predicted that KU would lose to TCU by 14 points or more. They did lose to TCU, but it was not by more than 14 points. So for that, Kyle gets it. Nah. <laughs> to get stuff back on the board, I'll get started as usual, and I'm going to predict the Vikings will win the NFC North. Um, I'm feeling confident after the Packers lost to the Giants that the Vikings will be able to get it done. For uh, reference, 538, yeah. yeah, 538 says the Vikings have a 64% chance of doing it, but ESPN's FPI says the Vikings have a 32% chance of winning the division. Well, we, so all, like, we all like FPI. Why is not we, true. We know, we know how much Wyatt loves it. So going by 538, that's a single. That would be a single, yeah. Not yep, I'm, I'm fine with that. Just wanted to throw the other one out there to see if I could throw you off. Oh. I think from Josh this week, is he still alive? Yeah, he's uh, still alive. He's doing good. He's seen what the Packers' offense can do, and he's seen, like everybody else, so they can use some help at wide receiver. He is going to predict that they will sign Odell Beckham Jr. before the trade deadline. He's a free agent right now. So Didn't they offer him like the bare minimum last time, like $600,000 or something? I don't know. Like, I feel like if I was OBJ, I was offered that, I would be insulted. He ended up taking, like, over $4 million. He's injured. Yeah, he is, he is recovering from a torn ACL right now. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't be available for multiple weeks if he did sign. It seems unlikely. I agree. It would be fun if it, were, if it did happen, but I think he's going to wait for pretty much one or two weeks before he comes back from injury and just sign with who he thinks has the best chance of getting to a Super Bowl, which I do not think is... The Packers. So at least well, a lot of odds, a lot of odds and people out there are saying, you know, uh, Rams, Chiefs, uh, Ravens, and uh, there's one other, I think the Bills maybe, but the Bills really don't need it. The Bills don't need it. I don't really like it for the Chiefs personally. Run is what I'm saying. I was thinking triple. I was between a triple run, and a home run, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's fine. Home run. I'm going to predict that I will make it into the fantasy basketball playoffs in our fantasy league, which does not I mean, exist when, yet. When was the last time that uh, you actually paid attention past week five of the fantasy basketball season? Uh, I was hoping you'd say past Never. week four because I have at least once past week four. So uh, he just drafts Rudy that. Gay and then he's done. <laughs> that is that is how I play fantasy basketball. This is usually true. Kevin Love as well. Yeah. Uh, that would seem unlikely. I'm thinking triple. Sure. Oh, come on. 
I don't. We're not give giving you, you a home run for I incentive. Wanna, I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to give you too much motivation because I want to make the playoff. And only so. four teams make the playoffs, so there's no way I'm gonna be one of those four. <laughs> we don't even know how many people we're gonna have in the league yet. I haven't set it up. I never. I never would put money on that you were gonna be winning our fantasy football league right now. So I wouldn't have either. Trust me. Anything can happen. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking triple. Sure. Yeah, that's what I had said. Yeah. Triple. Yeah, Kyle. Seattle makes the World Series. That would have been a lot more likely had they won today, um, but they did lose, as we talked about. Uh, Seattle has an 8% chance to make the World Series as of right now, according to 538. So that's right on the triple home run borderline. What are we thinking here? I'm giving it a home run. I'll give it a home run, sure. All right. Sounds good to me. Good, Ariane. Uh, I'm doubling up this week. My first prediction is that Wyatt will not make the fantasy basketball playoffs. Single? Yeah. Single, yeah. Single. That's pretty easy. Should we and... even allow that? That's <laughs> <laughs> basically a gimme. Yes, you, you should Give me my that. single. Um, we'll give and me then the single. What's your second one? My second prediction is much more, uh, less likely, I guess. Looking at our season, and it definitely has nothing to do with how, you know, college football is laid out schedule-wise. We started off with three wins, then we have three losses. So I'm just going to go ahead and predict that Iowa State football will also win another three games straight. So that would mean we win at Texas next week versus Oklahoma the week after that and versus West Virginia in that third week. Does it have to be like, right? Are you saying right now or just at some point in the season they win three straight? Okay. The next three games specifically. We'll be favored probably in the next two. Oh, I don't know about that. Double. I was thinking triple just because I don't think it's very likely. Yeah, we are actually favored currently in the OU game. I was thinking that that was a coin flip for me. That don't mean a double. I'm thinking triple. That feels like more than a double. Triple. Triple I mean, it is. It, by the it's probably actually triple, but I am uh, at least. Now, if we would have given that one a double, we could have hit the cycle today, but we didn't. So with two singles, two triples, and two home runs, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 194. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast, both on Instagram and the Twitter. Signing off for Daily Threatman Cast, we have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Horns down, beat Texas. Go Cyclones! Horns down! Go Cyclones! Horns down! Go Cyclones! Horns down always!